Hey everyone, this is a preview of a patron exclusive episode. If you want to get the full thing, go to patreon.com slash workstoppage. Uh, if you can't afford to become a patron, go ahead and hop in the Discord and we'll you know, hit one of us up and we'd be happy to provide it to you. This episode is basically us going over a lot of the ways that the repressive state apparatuses function and have functioned in history and it's the beginning of a long series, and I hope that y'all really like it. Solidarity. We, you know, I know Netflix did that thing, Who Killed Malcolm X, that ends up being like, oh, well, the original case was wrong, but there's all these conspiracy theories about the FBI, and the FBI continues to, like, deny its involvement in the killing. But, like, it's one of those things where you have to look at the structures behind it, where, yes— the, 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 it was the Nation of Islam who did kill Malcolm X, but you have to look at how the pieces were maneuvered into place there. And part, a key part of the COINTELPRO program was pitting groups against each other. They were directly involved in this assassination by encouraging it, by removing forces that could have prevented it, by basically ensuring that it went down the way that it did. And so additionally, uh, in this same vein, in the 1970s, the church committee, which is where we find a lot of the information that we used in this, which was the church committee was a Senate committee that was set up in 1965 to investigate crimes committed by the CIA, by the FBI and other agencies. And this was started after uh, there was a bunch of leaks to the press as well as some thefts of, of CIA documents. And so the church committee during its investigations revealed that the FBI routinely broke into homes, broke into offices and apartments to destroy equipment steal and copy files, take money, and plant drugs. So they were just doing a Watergate every weekend. They're like, let's yeah. get the boys together and do a Watergate. Well, like, that's the thing. It's, it's like it became to the point where it's always been like a cliche and people will throw this out there as like paranoia because, you, you know, I mean, like one of the things like when Chappelle had Chappelle show, one of his most common bits was about the cops, you know, mm-hmm. sprinkling crack on, on somebody that they'd shot. And it's like that. That's a common joke because it actually fucking happened like all the time. (laughs) Right. Well, and then there's the intelligence uh, agency equivalent of it where it's like, yeah, okay, we broke into their home, stole all their shit and shot them. But like we did bust them on a minor crime from a year ago that we provoked them to do. So right. Exactly. They, they even found that the FBI had started a fire at the Watts writers workshop, mm. be- basically because they determined that to be a hotbed of radical activity. And in a, another specific example, in 1970, the LAPD hired James Jarrett, who was a veteran of the Phoenix program, which I'm not going to get into here, but is there's, we, there's a whole rabbit hole on that. That was a CSA, CIA assassination program in Vietnam which murdered tens of thousands of suspected, quote, Viet Cong sympathizers. And that program basically led to the use of, of big data and, and statistics processing mm-hmm. that we now see police use around the country every day. That all came out of this CIA assassination program from Vietnam. That's what your so this garbell is providing information for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so this guy, uh, James Jarrett, who had been a veteran of that program in Vietnam was hired by the LAPD in 1970 to infiltrate and disrupt a Black Panthers support group. And after a uh, member of this Black Panthers support group was attacked, uh, probably by a right-winger, although the, when I, what I was reading on this didn't necessarily specify, um, Jarrett urged Panthers supporters to start carrying mace, which you're like, sure, okay. I mean, right. that was relatively new at the time, but pretty normal. 
So when a, a member of this group, actress Shirley Sutherland, wrote him a check, basically saying, okay, yeah, it's a good idea. I would like to buy some mace so that we can carry it. Right. To deliver the mace to her friend's house, he delivered a box of grenades instead. And that the possession of those grenades was then used as a pretext for an LAPD raid on the group, as well as myriad criminal charges. And, and then obviously I think the, the, one of the most well-known aspects of COINTELPRO and this sort of police infiltration, uh, it was recently documented in the movie, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, which came out this past year was the FBI working hand in hand with the Chicago PD to assassinate Fred Hampton, uh, who was, you know, one of the youngest, brightest stars within the Black Panthers Mm -hmm. because he was seen as potentially being a truly unifying figure. And what he was basically trying to do with the original like Rainbow Coalition, bringing together groups of of, of white workers, bringing together like the Brown Berets, so bring Latino workers, like Mm -hmm. Puerto Rican workers together with the Black Panthers in a multiracial, unified working class alliance was deemed far too dangerous to be allowed to continue. And so- by using infiltrators that the FBI had essentially extorted into, you know, informing on the Black Panthers via, via again, petty crimes. I believe uh, the example for the, the specific informant in this case was um, car theft, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. But basically by using these informants, they were able to get intelligence on where Fred Hampton was spending his time, the layout of the room. The apartment that he was staying in was raided by the Chicago PD with, and then they used the excuse of there being weapons in the apartment to spray the entire place down with bullets and then assassinate Fred Hampton with a direct shot to the head. Like there's all, there's now, since the event, there has been mountains and mountains and mountains of evidence that the Chicago PD fired first. There was never any intention of arresting you know, the people there, the purpose of the raid was to assassinate Fred Hampton and it succeeded in its, in its charge. It was a coordinated assassination attempt by one of the most notorious gangs in America, the Chicago police department. Yeah. And then, so in the same vein, although a lot of what I'm going to get into in this next bit, isn't technically part of COINTELPRO, but it's, it's COINTELPRO adjacent, which was how the U S repressive state apparatus responded to the threat poised by Martin Luther King. So, the parallels with what happened last summer are endless, so I'm not going to individually detail them. I think they'll be obvious. The, the The civil rights movement was seen as one of the foremost threats to the ruling class's hegemony in the United States. And so from the get-go, it was latched onto for repression by the U.S. state apparatus. Starting as early as 1963, U-2 spy planes were used to surveil protests in Birmingham, Alabama. And like, that would be the equivalent of drones today because like the U-2 was a cutting edge spy plane at the time. And so they're using them on U.S. soil to to monitor peaceful protests. And by 1968, there were at least 304 intelligence officers specifically dedicated to monitoring and infiltrating left-wing and black organizations, including creation of personnel dossiers on 19 million people and detailed subversive national security dossiers on over 80,000 Americans. After 
Martin Luther King condemned the Vietnam War in 1967. Even the military apparatus was mobilized against him because of the threat that was seen to the military's war effort. During the 1967 Detroit Uprising, 496 black men who had been arrested during the uprising were interviewed by agents of the Army's Psychological Operations Division who were disguised in civilian clothes as like basically just cops. And based on these interrogations, the army concluded that the threat to military morale from, from Martin Luther King's movement was too great for them to ignore. So after the Detroit uprising, the response from the military to the civil rights movement's protest was they started bringing in the very first special forces units that they developed, the Green Berets and other groups, you know, like the Rangers to start identifying paratrooper drop zones and sniper positions in major U.S. cities in order to respond to these. Oh, I love laying out uh, uh, the cities in my own country as potential battle zones with the aid of special forces uh, groups because some workers got together and got a little too socialist here and there. <laughs> yeah, because black people said they should have the right to vote. Yeah. We have to start setting up basically, you know, sniper positions and machine gun nests. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, this also included the 20th Special Forces Group headquartered in Alabama, recruited the local KKK to act as auxiliaries of course. during unrest. And then getting into a uh, part of this that is uh, routinely considered to be, uh, I guess, overly conspiratorial, but I think the evidence for it is rather clear. Um, during this period, the, um, army started providing police departments, uh, including the Memphis PD, uh, and there's a reason why I'm mentioning them with 30 odd six caliber sniper rifles, uh, in order to respond to these protests. And Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis. And on the day that he was assassinated during, uh, uh, you know, during his, like the, he was there for a speech, there was a green beret unit that was operating in Memphis and King was shot by a 30 odd six caliber sniper rifle and mm. tests that were done on the rifle owned by James Earl Ray, who was the guy eventually convicted as of course the lone gunman assassin of King raised a lot of doubts over whether that was actually the rifle that was used to shoot him. And there was even later a civil trial because of course no criminal court is going to go after the United States government. Right. Uh, a civil trial actually eventually found the United States guilty of a conspiracy to murder Martin Luther King in Memphis on that day. But the government citing, you know, classified documents, national security concerns simply dismissed the verdict and, you know, chose not to respond to it and moved on with it because I mean, this was when the CIA was at the height of their, you know, just doing whatever wild shit they wanted to do and nobody fucking stopped them. Like I mentioned Olaf Palme earlier in the episode, but it's like, I think the CIA probably did have something to do with that. And we know for a fact that the CIA did a soft coup in Australia in mm-hmm. 1975 or something yeah, like that the, because the, the Whitlam government. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and they call it a constitutional crisis now because that's good CIA language, but it's like, if you think the CIA is only overthrowing democracy and worker power in like countries that supply our natural resources, you're absolutely fucking wrong. They'll do it here and anywhere in the quote unquote developed world. They feel like doing it. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, there's a ton more detailed resources on specifically, you know, the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X Mm -hmm. that, um, are all out there. Like Kennedy and King is a really good resource for that. Um, you know, well, I'm not going to get any more into the details on that, but th- 
at the very least, there is a large amount of evidence that the U.S. government was involved in the assassination of Martin Luther King. Like we know they were directly involved in Malcolm X mm-hmm. and there's a mountain of circumstantial evidence that they were involved in killing King. Um, and the fact that it happened right after he denounced the Vietnam war, I mean, the white supremacists had wanted to go after him forever and that's when they are suddenly able to do it. I mean, yeah. Right. And we can never forget that that Martin Luther King was also organizing uh, sanitation workers mm-hmm. in Memphis at the time of mm-hmm. his yep. assassination as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. You've got the anti-war movement, the labor movement, and the black liberation movement coming together. That's why they killed Fred Hampton. I mean, so it's the exact same motivation. It's what the, the U.S. has always seen as as the ultimate threat to the ruling class domination of the rest of us. And mm-hmm. so... 